All right, today on the Button Up Podcast, we're excited to have returning to the podcast, Carl Morawski of formerly New England Style Consulting. That's a long time ago, but yeah. I still have the sticker on my shelf. Do you? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. that's, that's vintage. I did the uh, the mail thing. Remember you did the... Yeah, oh, I absolutely do. Yeah, that, that, that was a big nothing burger. I thought it'd be a great <laughs> idea, but people aren't too into uh, sending self-addressed stamped envelopes anymore, so... You get props mm. for trying. That's what. Yeah, yeah, you know what? You got to throw a lot of things against the wall and see what sticks. All right. So w- w- I want to start this off though. Carl was on here. Uh, now it's a couple of years ago, so we'll link to his original episode uh, in the show notes for this. But we really want to catch up on what you've done since then because the landscape has changed. You've changed your format. A lot of really cool stuff has happened since then. And so I think just give your you know give your your brief overview of who you are for anybody that doesn't jump back there, and then we'll talk about what you've been up to. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I began a a YouTube channel and it was very general in the beginning with, you know, dressing well, blah, 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 you know, the stuff that I was into. And I was a big articles of style reader in the beginning. So, um, you know, just just being interested in it forever. I thought that I had a pretty good idea of what I was talking about and I thought I had something to share. But then I realized that it was a pretty crowded space. um, And I, I, I realized over time, even after we spoke, that more and more people were coming to talk about blue collar, rugged heritage style stuff. And those are the videos that tended to do really well. So I did one video on Carhartt, I believe. And it was just, it was like instantly, it just, it just happened to do well, which I didn't think would happen, you know, um, especially coming from the world of talking about suits and ties and nice watches and stuff like that. Who's going to think that anyone wants to listen to somebody go on about a workwear brand, which is traditionally uh, they, they put, looks secondary to safety and and protection and function after that if it looks great that's fine but that's not number one on their priority list so i didn't think everybody was going to listen but then i realized that man maybe this is a little bit of an underserved segment of the community guys who actually do care about how they look but they happen to work with their hands which was the position i found myself in and i kind of thought i was alone i thought it was like this you know this this anomaly but uh turned out to not, not be the case Uh, started doing a lot more with that kind of thing because it was what I was genuinely interested in and the, the, you know, the industry that I actually work in. So it made sense. And uh, so I I started doing that for uh, after we spoke uh, about a year. And then I decided that I really wanted to throw a a wrench in the spokes and, you know, screw up a good thing. So I figured I'd just change formats entirely. And the idea behind that was to allow a little bit more flexibility to be able to have people on, you know, uh, to be able to take what everybody was doing and then just flip it on its head. So everybody is doing these short videos, these 10 minute videos or whatever, and, uh, putting them out. I was doing them once a week and I figure, okay, well that's fine and everything like that. And that seems to be working. But what if I just did something a lot longer? And I know like, you know, that show top gear was like one of my favorite shows, you know, when the original three were on and I love the way that they would have an hour long show but in that hour-long show were these like four 10-minute segments and they would come back and talk about it they would come back they would have a guest they would ask that guest's you know uh, opinion on some of the things that they were showing and uh just having loved that that show i thought it might be kind of neat to do something that's almost like a quarterly magazine where it has it's one encapsulated group of four different videos that all sort of have something to do with one another but Maybe not so much. So the idea is maybe you go and you watch because you're interested in boot reviews or you're interested in workwear, but you might also be interested in, you know, tools or knives or, or camping or something like that. All these other things that I'm into, but never could find a place to put. Um, 
to be able to do that and also to be able to tie that all together and have people who really know what they're talking about. So last month I had a leather worker on um, and I have a few other people that I want to come down. You, you both are have an open invitation, you know, and just to come down and sort of tell, you know, it's nice to have a little bit of a, a different perspective on things. Even if I have an opinion on something, somebody may have a differing opinion. So uh, just be able to have that dynamic. And again, to do something that was a lot different because I, the way I was doing it since I'm working full time was recording, editing, and then putting it out on Friday, recording, editing, put it out on Friday. And it was like, it didn't allow me any flexibility to really try to do some adventurous stuff that might take a couple weeks of editing or, you know, setting up shot, you know, shots and going out and doing things. So this allows me to do that because I have a whole month to plan. So long lead time things that might take a little bit of travel or um, just set up. I can actually do those. So um, ultimately, I think it allows a lot more flexibility. Then, so that comes out on, say, the 15th of the month or whatever it happens to be. In the weeks following that, I release those little segments which are within the big episode. So for research purposes, somebody wants to look up uh, something about Red Wing Boots. Well, it's still there for you. You don't have to sit through the whole episode, but the full episodes are sort of a, a, a love letter, letter in a way to the the real dedicated viewers who want to come on and they don't mind sit with me for an hour and going through all these things. So they get everything right away. Um, and then the other things might be discovered later on from people. So that's where we find ourselves at now. And I'm trying to build out a new spot above my garage, which is a, a much bigger area. I've been working on my spare bedroom for a couple of years now, and I have like a six by six space, which is why if anybody ever sees the video, I can never do a full pullback to show like the whole outfit because my tripod's like jammed against the wall and I just can't do it. So now I have the space to do that. And uh, that's coming along slowly, but a lot of good things in the works. So I'm pretty happy. Well, that's great. Cause I know, cause I watched the first episode too. I don't think you made the top gear analogy in that first episode, but that makes total sense. The, the format you've taken onto there. I also love your, uh, your chart, your boot chart. <laughs> yeah. board. So that's a yeah. great way to visualize it because that is exactly how it is. It's there's not this like huge fluctuation. It's just like, you know, there's good stuff at each price point. So that's a great visualization. But I think what you might have skipped over on that too is just how much of your time you, or how much balance you were trying to fit in. You are traveling a ton for your job, for your day job. You're commuting a lot. And then you were squeezing in these YouTube videos on the side. You're always in good spirits and good energy on the videos. And then you're also a dad at the same time. And so there was multiple years. And I mean, it's still continuing today, but it was multiple years where you were on this grind of like, you know, shooting either late at night or early in the morning, doing a night shift, coming back. And, and like, that's where a lot of your authenticity comes from, from having time spending with the products that you're actually reviewing and talking about, but then also having the technical chops to come in and, and not just speak to it, but also display it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, a lot of people don't know, but for uh, uh, the majority of last year, I was working night shifts down about two blocks away from uh, the Bronx Zoo for uh, doing a job for Metro North Railroad. So I would leave my house, which is in like the Hartford County and drive two hours to do the night shift down there, um, work, come back. And I could never get on the the, the cycle. I could never get out of uh, you know, wanting to sleep at night and be awake during the day. So I'd come home, um, just crash right away. My wife would get the kids ready. I mean, God, thank, <laughs> thankfully she was there because she, she really picked up the slack in a lot of ways. Um, and then I would wake up at like 11 o'clock, like bright, right. Just ready to go. 
but then it would hit me and I was just like really groggy. And so it's, it's sometimes it was like, boy, the last thing I want to do is figure out, you know, how to write something or, or edit it or shoot it. And like you said, get the energy up because the, the, the camera really saps your energy. So to be able to do that, especially last year, there were times where like I could see like the bags under my eyes because I was just not getting any sleep. And it would have been really easy just to say, you know what, for this time, I, I'm not not doing it anymore. But it was in a way the thing that that kept me going too. you know, it was something to look forward to and, and watch the comments come in and talk to people on there. And there was some great response and I didn't want to lose any sort of um, momentum that I had built up. But there was definitely a, a period last year where it was like, you know, I was just trying to find time and, and having that two hour commute on either end uh, extends the work, the workday so much. But at the same time, I was able to to go through some really harsh conditions in some of these products that I was testing out. So it's, it's legitimate, you know, people are saying, well, how do you, how can you say, uh, that, you know, Nick's handmade boots, which are like a $550 boot can actually hold up to these, these, you know, these job sites. Well, because I wore them in the summertime in the winter and in the dead of winter in New York outside along the railroad tracks is is a brutal place to be and they were fine they were great they were like my best friend out there so when i talk so enthusiastically about a product it's because i genuinely like it because it really saved my butt probably doing some of these jobs so yeah it was a tough time it was a really tough time i'm glad it's behind me yeah i feel like because of the other element to your channel is the production quality because you're like super into high quality production you probably have more more value in, in your gear than most YouTubers do. And, and also the, the, the more you invest, the steeper the learning curve to figure out how to use that gear, you know, to its fullest potential. Cause I, I feel like you could take your format, your kind of the, the topics and your, your dedication to really doing a, a thorough review and you could remove the, the high production quality and you'd still have a good channel, but, but you're really de dedicated to that production quality. So why is that? Is that just like a personal like passion <laughs> of yours? Cause cause your videos take, way longer than than a lot of other channels. Yeah, they do. Uh, it, you know, I think it kind of comes from, you know, I was a mechanic before I was an electrician. I think it comes down to the idea of to get good at your job, you have to be good with your tools. So you have to look at the trade and the the um, the skill set sort of in and of itself. So I figured, well, this is no different. Um, the tools I'm working with are the camera and the lens and the lighting and all that stuff. I've got to learn to use those the best I can in order to support what I want to do. And to be honest with you, there's always been like an image in my brain of like the way I think something should look and I could never quite get there. So in a way, I feel bad because like every video looks a little different because I'm trying something new, you know, like and sometimes I screw it up and like the lights will be way too bright and I look like a vampire uh, or I'll try to like back them off. It'll be too dark or it'll be too dramatic or whatever. And people call me out on it like, why was the color like this or whatever? Because I'm experimenting so much. But unfortunately sometimes it doesn't look so consistent but that's how you learn stuff you know so now several years down the road i feel pretty confident with my ability to to capture what i want to capture um but i always find myself pushing just a little bit beyond what i'm kind of comfortable with because i'm like oh this is gonna look great and you know how badly youtube compresses your video it like takes all your colors away all of your, you know, your saturation and like, you know, you're working with nice dynamic range and then you put it up there and you look at it. This looks like nothing that I put up before. So mm -hmm. sometimes it's a little frustrating. But the good side to that, though, is that it's led to some commercial video work. So I just finished up a whole campaign for Thursday. 
um, did some stuff for JJ suspenders, like a lot of different companies who want to use what I've been doing in different aspects. And I'm happy to do it because it's, it's so much fun, you know? Yeah. What type of stuff are you doing? Like, are you helping them with, uh, is that, would that be like video for social media or what, like, yeah. what are you doing with Thursday? Well, uh, Thursday, yeah, it's, it's basically commercials that they can use for social media. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So we actually met up, um, they had an, a model or, 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 you know, as close to a model as you can get. It was just like a friend of the channel who had a cool look. Mm-hmm. Um, I pitched them a concept. We went and we shot in central park, which we really weren't supposed to do without a permit, but we did it. Um, and, and, you know, it was a lot of fun and we shot for coverage and also, you know, shot in 4k because they want to put it in different formats. So not just widescreen letterbox that doesn't really work on Instagram. So they wanted to do a one by one, which we, we did, you know, and it allows us a lot of flexibility and we can cut it up in any number of different ways, really short ones that are 15 seconds, 30 seconds. And I even had like a longer concept of like, like a one minute thing, which probably, you know, never see the light of day, but it was fun to do anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and those guys have actually been really, really cool and, and recently become pretty, pretty good acquaintances, you know? Yeah, because they were probably the one brand that I always associate with is if it would come up from your audience, your viewers, you were like you were into their mid USA boot. I remember that. And mm-hmm. then you went through the period of like not so into them. And then I think you've come around now to to their 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 stuff. It, it was you know what? I mean, it was, a lot of it was unfair and it was poking fun. You know, I mean, legitimately, you got to these things are they're one hundred ninety nine dollars for the most part. You're getting a lot of boot for $199, you know, but there were definitely times where it was fun to kind of, you know, use them as, as a, as a, the butt of a joke, you know, and sometimes they would try things just like I do with my video and it just wouldn't work out. They did like a logger heel, but they used a 360 degree well, which pushes that heel off of the heel counter. So it looks almost a little misaligned. And, you know, the Northeast um, companies have been doing this for a long time. Whites and Westco and Nixon, et cetera. They have it down. The look is seamless, um, but they tried. Uh, it didn't really work out with a 360 degree welt, which these other guys are using 270 degree welts. Um, they figured that out. They also tried things with their leather jacket, which I wasn't a fan of. But then they came back and they fixed a lot of those things. And I'm not saying that I was the impetus for them fixing them, but they actually happened to fix almost everything that I critiqued in that. And then when I went to interview Connor a couple months ago, um, and actually I'll be putting that video on Friday, um, he showed me their, he was really excited to show me their new jacket and like, look, we, we, we did this, we did that, we did this. And I'm like, this is a much better product. It really is. So that's where I have a lot of respect. They are not afraid to try something and they're not a legacy brand that's been doing this for a hundred years. Um, they're happy to experiment and keep coming up with things and, and admit, Hey, maybe that didn't work so well. It's hard to hate on somebody who, who's going to do that, you know? Yeah, I've had a couple of brands that have done that where they like they've specifically sent me a product and said we we heard what you said and we changed this thing. So it's like, "Yeah, that's good you listen." And actually, I wanted to tie that into when you were speaking about, you know, being really into the the tools and technical aspect. That's the reason that when I got a call from Alan Edmonds that they wanted me to come to their factory, I was like, "Well, I got to take Carl." You're like the first <laughs> person that I even thought of. And so, we got to do that. Now, it's crazy to think that was was that two years ago? No, that was no, it was last May. We went May of 19. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it seems like for so much happened between now and then. And like, I wish I could have caught up with you guys in either, uh, you know, down at, you went to Texas, was it? Or for the, for the main yeah, camp thing or then yeah. influential, you know, and like, I missed both of those, but I'm not, definitely not going to miss, uh, well, uh, influential is no more, but I'm not going to miss the other one this year. Um, but so much happens between now and then, and it seems like so long ago, you had a baby, you know, and then like, you know, when you're watching the kids grow, it makes you feel ancient 
You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's a, uh, it's, it's a pretty incredible thing that we went a year ago and that was a blast. I saw things that I'd never seen before and it was a, a hell of a trip. That was a well, lot them of- and Halloween. And that, and that was a thing too, where not just you coming as a, a videographer and a cinematographer, but you also have this technical understanding of manufacturing in a way that you were able to ask questions at Horween and at Allen Emmons that were even over my head. And it was a really big learning experience for me. And so, you know, it was really cool to be able to see the behind the scenes stuff and also, you know, get to do that. Yeah, no doubt about it. There were so many things that I, I wanted to see firsthand. Like how do they do vegetable tan leather? It really takes like eight months or whatever. And people always, at, they, they always like try to call me out in the comments saying, I think you mean like eight days. I'm like, no. Like legitimately, it's eight months. It takes that long or 12 months, whatever it is, for these things to to achieve that level. It's it's incredible. And we know what it smells like. <laughs> it changed, <laughs> though. It was it was disgusting on the bottom floor. And it actually got kind of nice near the Chrome Excel. But it, yeah, what an experience. That place is just you remember we were walking around outside of the building going, I think this is it. There's not they're they're very subdued with their branding you think it's horween right like they would have it in huge block letters two stories tall on the side of the building they don't it was you remember they used like the, the you could buy them at home depot to use on your mailbox on the door horween it's like that's it that's all you got i couldn't believe it yeah it's interesting how since there's so many direct consumer brands that like like Thursday, for example, they don't, I mean, now they have a lot of brand cachet, but compared to these like heritage brands, they don't because they don't have any history. You know, only time can build a history. So I feel like a lot of these brands now are relying on, or, or maybe not even relying on in a bad way, but they're they're leaning on the, the heritage of the materials that they're using, which is kind of cool because you never used to see, even like 10 years ago, you would never see on a product page on a website where the leather came from or the name of the zipper factory. You know, and now a lot, a lot of these like sneakers and jackets and these new D2C brands, like you'll see pictures of the person that works at the zipper factory, you know, and, and like Horween and, you know, Margum Souls, like there's like household names now, like customers know what these products are. So I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes I wonder, you know, the three of us especially are so in the weeds with this stuff that when you really kind of pull back and see the forest for the trees, um, you know, why are, why is this stuff matter? You know, it's not so much collecting it or the novelty of having a new piece or anything like that. It's, it's ultimately to, you want to dress well. So you feel good to, to one of like kind of the basic goals, which is either to earn more money in your job for a better lifestyle or to, you know, get the date or whatever it is. And sometimes I think, you know, we are so, we're so focused on the macro that we almost kind of lose the the big picture perspective just from the nature of what we do. You know, we have to know these things and the construction methods and the details and all that stuff. But it is true because even, you know, back five years ago, nobody cared about leather as much as they do now, but it's, it's a point of contention. When it seems like too, in the last year, you've really leaned into like makers. Like when you talk about Nick's and Wesco and White's, like you really seem to found that audience as well. And then you also went to Carhartt not too long mm-hmm. ago too. Yeah. Yeah. That was a surprise. Um, when, when they reached out and, and asked if I wanted to come out there, I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I went out there and the, the, the trip was kind of funny because I, I don't know if, uh, 
if it was a combination of they were thinking they were going to get some really high end people, but they can only find like the group that they found because <laughs> there's like a dozen of us or if they just were, really wanted to roll out the red carpet because we got there and we all got on this like coach bus. So we would go to all these different places on this big coach bus. And people think like Blue Oyster Cult's coming into town. And here walks me and a bunch of other like carpenters and stuff, you know. But like the way they explained it was we want to actually work with people who use our product every day or, or, you know, as a cornerstone of what they do for a living. So it was kind of odd because I was there with people. There's there's um, one guy who makes surfboards is a, a girl who goes into the jungle to find these these felled trees of these this different kinds of woods that they don't we don't even know what kind of tree it is. They're like in the middle of like Papua New Guinea and she'll take that stuff, cart it up, bring it back in a, in a shipping container and make this beautiful furniture. out of it. She made a, a guitar stand for Dave Navarro. And then there's me who's an electrician who makes these silly videos among these guys who are really, really creative. And so that kind of ties back into the maker thing because you are actually supporting a small business and one person's livelihood. So real quick story was I, I found this pair of boots that I thought was so cool. It was called the nail shank by a company that's no longer called MYG handmade. Now they're called creosote and it's one guy and I believe he's in Missouri and he was working out of a, an Airstream trailer that I think was like in his backyard. And he was making these crazy looking boots. They had this like real square toe, very divisive. Either people loved them or they thought they were the ugliest thing in the world. And they were all done by hand. Almost everything in there, uh, with the exception of some things that you need, some machinery, um, was done by hand or hand powered machines. And that was his whole thing is that he didn't want to go and run it through like a welting machine. He wanted to stitch everything and carve the channel on the bottom. And it was this really high level of shoemaking that you really only see in high end brands. Right. So he was doing these things and I figured, hey, I'm going to reach out and see if I can you know, get a pair of these. Um, I bought a pair and he uh, said that after that, because the video did really well, I just put a thumbnail and it was just a picture of this boot. I figured there it is. You're going to love it. You're going to hate it. Um, he just opened up a, a storefront down in, I think, Missouri and opened up a big workshop. And his backlog now is like 11 months before you can get a boot. Now, I'm not saying that I'm to thank for that, but I, I feel like I was at least a part of it, you know. So just getting this guy in front of the right people and that could have changed his whole his whole business, his whole life. So it's pretty neat when you can actually have a direct effect. You know, somebody's doing some great stuff. Let's pay attention to it, you know. There's this thing you notice where the people that call themselves influencers aren't actually influencers. The people that don't want to be called influencers actually have influence. And like that's a, <laughs> that's a great example of it. Yeah. <laughs> influence is like a whole, like, like a four letter word for for so many of us. You know, it's like I hate that because you think of skinny tea and you think of like all these like cringy things. But um, sticking to a core set of values is really important for any kind of longevity because people can sniff it out in authenticity like so quickly. You know. Yeah. And it seems like too, you definitely found a group and a community, even within the Northeast where you are with like, um, almost vintage style and a few other guys that you're, you know, really well connected with in, in your like niche within a niche, right? Which is like <laughs> rugged kind of vintage style all within the, the workwear community. It's funny when you, when you start kicking up rocks and you realize that there's a whole community around this stuff. I didn't even realize that it was a thing, but there's a big denim community that have these hangouts and these meetups and, and all these things. And I just stumbled upon it, but I've met some incredible people, like some of the nicest people that I've ever met. There's one guy, Albert, his, uh, his Instagram is, uh, 
upstate guy style. And, and for a living, he, I believe he's a, a classical music concert promoter. So talk about a, a niche within a niche. Um, but one of the kindest, most like just terrific people. And I was going down to, to, uh, see the, um, uh, Huckberry store in New York. And I, and I was like, Hey, Albert, cause I know he works out of there. I said, hey, you'd want to meet up. And he goes, yeah, yeah, let's meet. And so he comes down and he brings with him a leather worker who happens to live in the town next to me. And he was the guy who I had on the last episode. So sometimes it just ties it together. And it's uh, it's pretty neat when there's a community around these things. These are guys who actually care about this stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 pretty amazing, which I didn't realize existed. I thought I was pretty good with this stuff. But, here, you know, <laughs> but I could be surprised, you know. Yeah, it's kind of amazing how everybody, no matter what you're into, you can find a community now because of the internet, which is, which is pretty cool. I wonder how, how is your existing audience? Cause you, you have, you've had some videos that have kind of blown up, uh, and, and obviously reached a bunch of people who maybe are just interested in just boots in general. Maybe they've only seen the one video from you and then you have your core audience, how have they responded to like the different formats. And, you know, do, do you think that they're, they're kind of willing to watch whatever you enjoy publishing? Sometimes I feel that way. And in, in that, I, I want to make sure that I do right by them. The The overwhelming um, reaction has been positive. People seem to really like it and they seem to understand what I'm trying to get at. Um, I don't think it's quite there yet. It's definitely in the experimental stages and trying to set up everything and get the editing just right and figure out how to transition into and out of a video. Um, but they understand what's what's coming. And as long as I can provide value, even as we stumble along this path, it's like watching the pilot episode of like a, you know, a TV show, you know, you're like, Oh boy, that wasn't really that good. You know, Michael um, Scott was kind of a dick. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Why are these extra people in the office? Who is that? You know? Um, yeah. So yeah, no, they seem to be very supportive. I haven't seen anybody who, um, who has responded negatively to the new format. The other thing is sometimes I think that weeds people out a bit. You don't really get, People who see episode two, they're probably not going to watch it if it's not from somebody they know. That's why they'll watch the videos that come out after. It makes sense. But um, no, I really feel like there's a group of people who have been really, really supportive. And I want to make sure, like, I think about them, like, when I'm making a video. There's a few people I can name right off the bat who I really just want to make sure that I do a right. I want to do a good job for because I know they're going to comment and they're going to give their feedback. And it's like, those are only a few people, but. It's like you're, you're playing to those people, you know, it's, it's hard to explain. Related to that. I mean, a big part of your story too, I remember was, you know, the articles of style, you were doing suiting and things like, how's it felt to not be as heavily in that world, but really lean into, you know, what you would say is your, your natural state. I miss it in a way, you know, there is a lot of, there's a lot of really nice things happening, especially with formal wear. Unfortunately, I only get to wear it, you know, when I go to the office, I get to wear it, but not as much as I would like. The thing that I noticed, though, and I think I really saw it on um, on the Gentleman's Gazette Facebook posts that they would put up and somebody would ask for a critique. And you would see these comments of people saying, like, you don't have exactly a quarter inch of sleeve showing beneath the jacket or whatever. And they're like, really nitpicky. I've got to say, like in the denim community, you don't get that at all. Almost everybody is like, looks cool. It's almost in a way it's like, let your freak flag fly. You know, you want to pair different leathers and this and that, and I'll go for it. You can be as adventurous as you want in the formal community or the, the suiting community. If you don't 
adhere to these very strict rules, in a way, you're you're kind of an outcast. And there was even a time he put up a picture, and it was an Articles of Style photo, I think, of uh, Will Howe. And it was like this great shot. You know, it's their product. And uh, it's people were still tearing it apart. I'm like, you guys, these are the like, these are some of the authority figures on this stuff. Um, but I don't know if you saw it, Dan, they're actually, I think they're closing that store in Soho. They're shifting mm -hmm. quite a bit because um, Southwick is shutting down and that was the one who actually made their suits. So I think things are going to be shifting quite a bit for, for articles of style, hopefully for the better, but we'll see. Yeah, that's too bad. I feel like they're, yeah, I hope, I hope they, they come on, come out of whatever they're going through stronger because I feel like that that bridging the gap between, you know, the Indochinos of the world and then your traditional bespoke, which is just way unattainable for almost everybody. I think they're doing a really good job bridging that gap, but it's not easy. No, it's not. And you got to remember, they also started like we did. They were they were content based. Everything that they mm -hmm. did was really uh, um, based on Dan's articles and, you know, back in the style blogger days. And then he was he was a writer first and foremost. And then they tried releasing this this suiting line. And it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the articles started disappearing. And there were periods of months that would go by where you didn't see anything. And I remember religiously checking that page. And I would refresh yeah. it in the morning. I would get to work. I would check it and read the articles that were up there. And it was like my part of my routine. And now just seeing that it's it's dried up is, is kind of sad in a way. But I, I think that maybe what we saw then was back in the golden age of blogging where banner ads paid and there were different opportunities. And now that's not so. So I'm not sure what they're going to do going forward, but they have the talent and the uh, the know-how to do it. I like you. I mean, I really hope that they do well with this change. Yeah, I mean, even if they had to go um, back to content, especially Dan, I would love that because I, I feel like kind of like you, they're they're very dedicated to like high production quality, and so maybe that's why they weren't putting out more stuff because they felt like they couldn't do it in a way that you know they they felt good about. But I remember when we we all went to that meetup a while back. That this must have been I don't know that a year and a half ago or something. Now. Fault man, wow. yeah. So we went to that meetup in there in the Soho space, which was a lot of fun. And I remember Dan mentioning that he he misses doing the content, you know. Yeah. And he hoped to have more time for that. So, I mean, imagine if Articles of Style had a YouTube channel; it'd be so cool. <laughs> well, he tried doing that. I mean, because Dan and I are, are are friends, and you know, he moved to Connecticut. Um, he had a daughter, so things have changed quite a bit for him. And he mm -hmm. did kind of, you know, he told me that he wanted to do the YouTube thing for a while and that, that he invested pretty heavily in having a production company come down and do these different episodes. So there's like seven episodes of this thing that he called making it in, the, in America or something like that. Right, and they're, right. yeah, they're done really, really well. But what he realized is that unfortunately you don't just put out some really high quality content and then just sit back and watch the views come in. There's a lot more that goes, goes into it. It's, it's a, it's a tricky thing to figure out. And, you know, to be totally candid, I am terrible at it. As a matter of fact, yesterday I hired a guy to come in and help me with my channel because clearly I'm, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know what I'm doing right. I don't know the things that I've stumbled upon that it, the way I try to describe it is, you know, if I go into a house and somebody wired their own house, it might work, but it might be really, really dangerous. And you might be sitting on like a fire waiting to happen. So this guy is, is very good at what he does. He's going to go in there and kind of the whole idea is going to teach me how to do it. So with Dan, it's like, this is a learning curve that we've all had to figure out as time goes on and how to build the audience slowly and, you know, figure out your niche. You can't just put out a few high quality videos and then just, you know, expect people to react. So he's wanted to do it for a long time. Um, 
And I think you're right. I think they hold themselves to such a high level of production that he won't just put out anything. He won't sit there with a phone and just do it that way. He expects mm -hmm. more from the brand. So I hope that he does it. Totally. Yeah. So, so what is this, uh, what is this guy going to help you with? Like, are we talking editing or, or like more like the marketing side, like titles, it's, thumbnails? It's yeah, it's yeah, it's SEO. It's, um, he, you know, I had a long call with him yesterday and he said, he goes, do you know that your, uh, your social links are all broken on your channel? And I said, <laughs> No, I had no idea. <laughs> you know, you're like, I, yeah, but do you know what a Goodyear Welt is? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I've been so focused on on cameras and editing and and all that stuff that I've neglected this whole other side of it. And there's a, a there's almost a glut of information on the internet, and you don't know how much of it is good and how much is it is bad. Um, but this guy has has figured it out. So. Um, I interviewed a couple of people who I found on Upwork. He seems, he actually has a channel of his own, which is, is doing very, very well in the hundreds of thousands, you know? So I trust that he knows what he's doing, but there were other people who, uh, who I interviewed who were, you know, happy to take like three grand and then offer me like a marketing plan. And I'm like, that's, no, that's not what I'm really after here. You know, yeah. I want somebody to show me what I'm doing wrong so I can continue doing it right. That's all. Yeah, well, I, I think I think there are the vast majority of, of publishers out there, YouTube channels, blogs, whatever, they have they're maybe doing the marketing right and they don't have actual good content. And so, you know, you have good content. And I think with, with some tweaks, you know, hopefully can we reach a huge audience. I mean, you cross fifty thousand subscribers, you yeah. have videos with over a million views, so obviously you're doing something right. Um, so I think it's a yeah. bright future. That was I hope so. And that was kind of his his thought too. He's like, uh, well, if you've gotten to this point and I see these like glaring problems, then you should probably see a pretty decent surge once we get them all fixed. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah I, I was, I, I have no pride in just saying, look, I, I don't know what I'm doing here, man. Help me, please just help me out. You know? So yeah. I'm hoping that's what'll, what'll come of it. Dude. I, I still don't, man. I have like, I have like 260,000 subscribers now and you know, I'll put up a video, just tank still. And then I'll put up a video that, that I'm like that uh, totally half-assed that one. Like it's not going to do well and just boom, takes off. I know. <laughs> and it makes, it makes you take every single one seriously because you don't know which one's going to do well and how many eyeballs are going to be on it. You know, it's like, like John, you remember we were talking, I think it was last summer or maybe two summers ago, um, involving Dan and, and having some of these like behind the scenes, how it's made type of things. And I, I remember telling you that I just, in my experience, no matter how much time and energy you put into them, they just don't seem to get the views. I mean, have you found that to be the case too? Well, it's even more uh, absurd on TikTok where like I can make a like a the stupidest TikTok and it'll get a half a million views within a within a couple of weeks. It's like in insanity. And so yeah, there's no there is a little bit of uh, ratio quality to viewership ratio, but it's all luck of the draw. Yeah, yeah, it seems to be, and it's just I think in maybe intentionally they want to play their cards close to the vest as far as what works and what doesn't. And it makes sense because otherwise people will figure out to how to like hack the algorithm. But uh, yeah, it makes you wonder sometimes, you know, I'm like, yeah, but I shot this and it's in 12 bit color and, but nobody cares. Nobody cares. The thing that you shot on your, you know, your DSLR does way better. Nobody knows. Nobody can figure it out. Yep. So, so what is like, uh, what's, what's your kind of, medium term goal for the channel what's the best case scenario in the next couple of years uh i mean i would love to refine what i'm doing with this episode thing uh to be able to have some really interesting conversations hopefully with people who uh in a similar fashion to joe rogan where they kind of just go off on a 
it's not these these written down questions. It's sort of an interesting conversation that you happen to be privy to. But uh, I mean, I would love to diversify more. Uh, there's a couple of uh, factories locally, like small makers, who I'm trying to do a couple of collaborations with and dip my toe into the product manufacturing side of things. That gets tricky with the minimum order quantity and all that, uh, but it's something that I would like to explore a little bit more. Matter of fact, Nick's Handmade Boots and I are doing like a collaborative limited edition boot. So we're working the, on, in the pattern making phase of that now, um, figuring out what kind of leather we're going to use, how different it's going to be, what the price point has to be. So it's an, and it's, it's an interesting side of it that I've always wanted to get into, but it's very difficult to break into without some sort of startup money or seed capital or anything like that. So um, I could begin like that, though, with these small collaborations, you know, uh, of that leather maker who lives close to me. We came out with a front pocket wallet that I had this idea for and he made a reality. So he's selling it. He's seeing the benefit of it. But it gave me a chance to help develop things and see what the, the beta testing is and all that. So eventually, hopefully, I can find a, a, a need in the market and, and fill it myself. So that's what I would like to do ultimately. Um, but again, it's, 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 it's like finding your way through a, a, the woods with a small flashlight. I don't know how I'm going to get there or if it's even going to be that path. But as long as you keep moving forward, you're going to find yourself, you know, getting somewhere. So that's, that's kind of in the, the medium term goal. Yeah. Nice. And when, when will the studio be finished up? Oh, well, now that we're all stuck at home, uh, a lot quicker than I thought, because I had ordered a bunch of sheetrock, a bunch of material, and I'm doing it all myself. Uh, I'm a terrible sheetrocker, by the way. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually I have time now. I don't, there's no commute and I can just go out after I'm done with work and spend a few hours out there sheetrocking. So I'm hoping that it will be ready by the, the, the summer. Um, it's a big space so there's a lot to do it would be a lot easier if it was a 20 by 20 room but this is about 30 by 50 and it's mm. and it has like big uh cathedral ceilings and, and beams and stuff so um it's a lot of work but i'm hoping by the summertime and it'll be great too because if i wanted to have a meetup a small meetup i could do it up there i could easily host you know a few people and and make it a, a comfortable place to be so yeah that's also taking up a lot of time but you know, in the priority yeah. list, it goes family, work, whatever puts food on the table. And this stuff falls somewhere underneath, you know, but uh, that's just the way it has to be for now. Yeah. Well, when you're finished up, yeah, you should have like a little housewarming or something. I'd love to come up and see it. <laughs> yeah. Anytime, man. That'd be great. That'd be great. Well, you've already been on the show, so we, we don't we're not going to do rapid fire again. But I do have two questions that you probably get a lot, but I'm curious. One of them is what is the best boot? Like planar cap toe, six inch work boot under $300. Ooh, under 300 bucks. Are we, are we including sales? Uh, if it's a brand that does sales all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Are, I would be able to ask the mensch to pick us one up at Nordstrom rack. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that was going to be my, my answer. Yeah. Nordstrom rack is the best place to find that kind of stuff. You know, I will say this though. Uh, if you were looking for an extremely high, um, quality to price ratio, there is a company called Motor out of Japan that is probably, when you're talking about price per wear and what you're getting for the for the price, um, they're probably right at the top of that list. And I think on Instagram, or even if you want to look them up, since they are Japanese, the translation might be a little different. I think it's Leather Things Motor or something like that. Um, extremely high quality, level of finishing, all that. 
and I think you can probably get into those for somewhere around 400 bucks. And you're talking about it would cost you $800 elsewhere to get that. So hmm. that's not quite answering your question. Okay, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. And then the second one on the other side, uh, if you want to get into YouTube, what's the best, say, camera lens combo so you could do video and and if you had to do photos too, under a thousand? Mm. Well, I've always said that the the glass is much more important than the camera, and that's proven to be true. Um, I would say that the maybe one of the best things to do would be to go the Canon route because it seems to have the most pleasing colors to most people's eye without tweaking it. Sony sends, tends to lean a little bit green. Um, a lot of people, I mean, the GH4 is another really good one. It might be good to go with a GH4, a Metabone Speed Booster, and maybe an older L series uh, of glass, but I, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, no, no, scratch that. I'm going to say the 100 millimeter L series macro lens because it's a great portrait lens. Um, it has uh, in-body stabilization. It's very affordable. And even on the secondhand market, you can find it for maybe, you know, 400 bucks or so. Um, but it's also great for product shots. And I call it like the cheat code lens. It tends to make everything look great. So you can get great depth of field out of it. Um, you're at a fixed focal length. So, you know, it's 100 millimeters. You have to back up, use your feet as your zoom. Um, but that combination right there would be pretty killer. Okay, cool. So Panasonic with the uh, with the Canon glass. Yeah, you can get a 10-bit image out of that. I think externally. Uh, I think the GH5 does it internally. But you can get a beautiful image out of that camera. Even though it's still micro four-thirds, throw plenty of light at it and you've got a hell of a combination nice yeah i've been using the gh5 for a while now yeah upgrade i'm a rebel to the gh5 so i was like that was like going that was a big upgrade i yeah i would say so that's it's yeah. a big it's a big difference uh going from the world of, of dslrs to um to like a cinema camera you know a lot of the things that you don't have to worry about so i started it was a a, a rebel and then i went to a 70d um, cause it had the tilty flippy screen on it, you know, mm -hmm. and I think I saw Casey Neistat use it. So I was like, cool. Yeah. Um, but then I, I got into like actual legit cinema cameras. And the cool thing is, is that you can, you have ND filters, at the flip of a switch. And when John and I went on our tours of Horween and, and Alan Edmonds, I didn't have to worry about battery life because the battery lasts seemingly forever. So there's a lot more flexibility in there. So, um, you can get into something like that for, for relatively cheap because these things tend to be outdated really quickly and people who want them, they, it's like a luxury car. They want the newest, latest and greatest. So the one or two years, you know, old models, they sell for practically nothing. So, um, if you're looking to upgrade just a little bit, a, a couple year old cinema camera, it gets you quite a bit. Nice. Maybe down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Once all this virus nonsense is over, I know yeah. it's a crazy time. This is this is is we're, this is history in the making. We're all going to tell our kids about this. No nonsense. I don't want to downplay what's going on. No, 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 <laughs> absolutely yeah. not. But you know, we were considered an essential service. The jobs that I'm doing outside, you know, my day job are are essential service. So supporting those from here, it's still going on. People are still working. The railroad is still running. It's uh, you know, there's still people out there who are working. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube is not an essential service, but I'm still working anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is for some people, you know, like I, this week I, I, every, I, I put a thing out where I'm like, anything that I make, I'm just going to put it right up. 
I know a lot of people are home, they're bored. Uh, they're looking for something to do. New content is uh, probably appreciated more now than ever before. As soon as I make yeah. something, no schedule, no nothing. I'm just going to put it right up and, you know, we'll figure it out when this is all over. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's a good time to put up content. A lot of people at home and bored and probably just want normalcy and, and less content about, you know, current events and more just kind of regular content. Yeah, I agree. A lot of people just, they, they're, they're, they're bombarded with it everywhere else. They want to escape. They don't want to hear about COVID-19 on, on my show, you know? Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, everyone's going to check out the uh, new Top Gear format on Carl's channel if you haven't already. And uh, Rugged Workwear is the center. I remember you saying that. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember if it was around the Elements thing, but you said very definitively, you were like, I want to be the go-to source for you know, the intersection of menswear and rugged you know, technical wear. And I was like, I think that's a great niche. And so it's been really cool to see you lean into that. It's cool too, because I, I remember seeing Brock speak at, at well, what was called StyleCon back in the day and thinking to myself, like, what am I going to do? You know, and you were talking about that very thing. You were like, I found a niche within a niche and this is my audience. And I'm like, what the yeah. hell do I have to offer? I have no idea. And then, you know, you, you were, you were, you gave, gave a very inspirational speech. And it was like, um, sometimes you just find it. You just, you just kind of keep, you start, you begin. And there's, there's, there's something to be said for, imperfect action because at least you're moving it forward then you figure it out and then you watch and and they, your audience will tell you what they want to see you know and so that's uh that was those are really good words those are something you said probably four or five years ago that that's still stuck with me so yeah appreciate it man yeah i think i think you're that's the cool thing about what we do is you, you do get that instant feedback from your audience oh yeah <laughs> so they, they kind of help you shape shape the the content a little bit so it's it's very uh it's it's two ways you know mm -hmm. absolutely